Scripture for today is from Mark 6, 30 through 44. You can read along in your bulletins and your Bibles. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and, um, and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy a hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again to all of you, and happy Father's Day to you dads, and uh, great to be with you this morning. We come to this, uh, this great story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is actually recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so there are some great lessons from this story. You know, over the years, as Molly and I have lived the Christian life, uh, we both uh, became Christians at the end of our high school year. We got married in 1978. And one of the things we've noticed is that every, um, every sort of turning point in our lives, every time we reach a fork in the road, God has called us to trust him. We believe that throughout our lives, God has called us to lead a life of faith. But over and over again, God gives us opportunities to trust him at every fork in the road. And that is still true to this day. And so, uh, one time Molly was reading in the Gospel of Mark, and this was several years ago, and she found something very interesting. She, said, she found that not only is there the feeding of the 5,000, which we just read about in this passage, but a, a little bit later, there is the feeding of the 4,000. It's interesting, there's two feedings there. And you read that and you go, what is with that? And in the feeding of the 4,000, uh, the disciples were talking among themselves about why do we not have enough bread? And basically Jesus upbraided them for 
forgetting about the lesson of the loaves, the, what happened when he fed the 5,000. It's almost like God provided for them in the past, but then we got to the feeding of the 4,000. They were at, at one of those turning points where they didn't, they didn't trust in Jesus. They hadn't learned the lesson of the loaves. And when Molly read that, we were actually at one of those forks in the road in our life. Molly was on the verge of something where God was calling her to step outside of her comfort zone, to take a step of faith. And so she was concerned about how it would go. She was worried about how it would go. And God used that story of the feeding of the 4,000 to point her back to the feeding of the 5,000 and Molly was reminded how at every fork in the road throughout our lives, we have seen God provide for us. And Molly looks back on that and she, wants, she realizes the need to remember the lesson of the loaves. Happened over and over again with the disciples after the uh, after this story of the feeding of the 5,000. We have the story of Jesus walking on the water and the disciples are out in this boat, and, and when Jesus finally appears to them, after he walks on the water, we get to verse 52 of Mark 6, and, it says, and Mark has this editorial comment about the disciples. It's just like Molly and me. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. So there's something about our lives where we tend to forget the lesson of the loaves. And so today, that's the title for this sermon, The Lesson of the Loaves. And I hope that everybody within the sound of my voice, as you remember this story of the feeding of the 5,000, that you would look at your life, that you would look at the forks in the road that you have, and that you would remember the lesson of the loaves. So who is this sermon for? Well, if you're here this morning, and you're just exploring the Christian life, or you're early in the Christian life. This is all brand new to you. This is your first time to go through the Gospel of Mark. I would ask you this morning to consider the portrait of Jesus that you see in this story because the Gospel of Mark was written so that people would understand who Jesus is. If you are a follower of Christ this morning, this passage is also for you because you know that in your life as well, just like Molly and me, you've come to those forks on the road would you trust him for your finances? Would you trust him for your medical condition? Would you trust him for your marriage? Would you trust him to change your heart? Would you trust him to uh, bring reconciliation to certain situations in your life? Would you trust him to empower you for ministry? So you too can be encouraged by this passage and remember the lesson of the loaves. But I wanna say a third category of person who this who I think this passage is for, is a lot of you are engaged in various ways in ministries not only within Lake Baldwin Church, whether they be elders, deacons, community group leaders, on a serving team, but a lot of you are involved in ministry outside the church. Some of you work with ministries that reach out to the marginalized in our city. Some of you are involved in global missions. Some of you are actual missionaries. And I also hope that this passage is for you because I recognize that you too are taking steps of faith. You're trusting God for your finances. You're trusting God to provide for you. You're trusting God in some very, very challenging ministry situations. And so you too will come to those forks in the road where you need to remember 
the lesson of the loaves. So that's what we're gonna talk about today from this story. So what we're gonna do is we're simply gonna, as we always do, we're gonna walk through this famous story of the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, we're gonna have three lessons, but they, they really turn into one lesson. In fact, the lesson is to trust God to provide for you at those forks on the road. That's really the lesson of the loaves. But we wanna build the case though, because Mark wrote this story for us for our encouragement, for our discipleship, and for us to be able to see Jesus. So we're gonna look at these three lessons here. So the first lesson we wanna talk about this morning is the lesson of compassion. So turn back to the passage and look at verse, verse 30 at the beginning of this story. And I wanna tell you, talk a little bit about the situation that's here. Go back to verse 30, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Now what's going on with the apostles? They're called the apostles here. This is the first use of the word apostles, and a synonym would be missionaries. So Jesus had sent out his 12 apostles into the surrounding towns and villages to proclaim the good news of the gospel. So they were going out, and they were coming back to report to him. They were gone for perhaps months. In fact, it was probably their spreading of the message of the kingdom and telling people about Jesus that resulted in all these crowds that end up showing up at this picnic that's coming up that follow them when they want to rest. Look at verse 31, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while, for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. So the setting here is that they've come back from these missionary trips and Jesus says, I want you to come aside to a quiet place and to rest for a while. One of the things I want you to see in this story that is really cool, it's a theme throughout the Bible, is the theme of rest. All of us know what it's like to live in a fallen world, to be weary and to be overworked. And so one of the things we see about the compassion of Jesus here is the gift of rest. Earlier in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said that the Sabbath, uh, that, that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath rest, that one day in seven, is a gift from God. As we celebrate it here on Sunday, the Lord's Day, it is a gift that you and I can relax, we can rest from our jobs that we have throughout the week, from our studies, and we can focus on worshiping God. God has hardwired into you the need to have this rhythm of rest and what he wants to do is offer that to his disciples here. Also, another thought about rest, and we're gonna see this at the end of the story when they're all satisfied by the bread. There is a deeper rest that God offers to everybody in this room, and it is the rest of the gospel. I just, we just talked about these membership vows. Do you receive and rest upon Christ alone for your salvation as he is offered in the gospel? You see, Jesus offers us rest, and it is a rest from our works, from our self-righteousness, from earning our salvation or earning God's love. That is gospel, that is deep gospel rest. And that is what he offers you, that is what we remind you of every week here. One other thing I feel uh, that I wanna say about the context that might be a little bit unexpected because we didn't cover this story, but there is a story right before the feeding of the 5,000 where King Herod, who is the political king in that area, holds a birthday banquet, and he invites all of his army officers and all these politicians and all these leading figures in Galilee, and he has this banquet. 
And uh, the story, the backstory of it is that uh, Herod has a wife by the name of Herodias, and Herodias has a daughter. And John the Baptist, who was the cousin of Jesus and the forerunner of Jesus, had actually confronted King Herod about his marriage to Herodias, saying it was that you, you, know, you, you shouldn't have gotten married to her. There were all sorts of reasons behind it, but basically confronting him, uh, and you just don't do that to a political leader. So the wife of Herod, who was named Herodias, wanted to have John the Baptist killed. This was her agenda. Well, King Herod is having this banquet on his birthday, and the daughter of Herodias comes and dances at this lavish banquet and this lavish feast in the palace of Herod. Herod was so impressed that he said to this daughter of Herodias, uh, ask me for anything that you want, up to half of my kingdom, I'll just give it to you, whatever you want. She goes back to her mother, Herodias, and says, what should I ask for? Herodias, who still has a bad attitude towards John the Baptist, says, ask him, tell him that you want to see the head of John the Baptist on a platter. King Herod has made a, uh, a commitment to fulfill his promise, and so he had John the Baptist beheaded. And the head of John the Baptist was brought to him on a platter. There's actually a Renaissance painting of John the Baptist with his head on the platter. The reason I tell you that story is that we're about to look at a different kind of feast. Herod had a feast that led to death, but Jesus is about to give a different kind of feast. He's about to serve bread to 5,000 people on green grass, and he is coming along as a different kind of king, a king that gives life to people. And all throughout history, people have had a choice. Am I gonna be part of Herod's banquet or I, am I gonna be a part of the banquet of Jesus? So as they're gathering together, the disciples and Jesus, they're coming off not only their missionary journey, but this realization that the cousin of Jesus has just been beheaded. So these guys really need a break. So that's what's going on. That's the backstory that you see here. Let's go on and read what happens. And so verse 32 says, they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So all these crowds are gathering because again, they're, they're, they're wanting to be around Jesus. Notice verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So what do we learn here? One of the things we see is that Mark records that when Jesus sees a crowd of people, he has compassion on them. Now remember I said at the beginning of this message, if you're here and you're just learning about Jesus, this is one of the things you wanna see about Jesus in this story. You wanna see his compassion at heart. The word for compassion in this story means that his stomach actually moved. When Jesus saw these people, he was so concerned for them, and it actually gives a reason. It was because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. If sheep don't have a shepherd, they're just gonna wander. And when Jesus used that phrase, like sheep without a shepherd, it was a reminder of, in Numbers chapter 27, when Moses was sending Joshua to lead the people into the land, and Moses prayed 
about Joshua leading them, and in his prayer he said, don't leave the people as sheep without a shepherd. And what we see happening here is an echo of Moses' prayer that in the short term, Joshua was the answer to that prayer, but Joshua, Yeshua in the Hebrew, same name as Jesus, Jesus becomes in this story because he sees people like sheep without a shepherd and he's gonna actually lead them into the true promised land. We see in this story an answer to Moses' prayer, the greater answer in a greater Moses and a greater Joshua. But Jesus was moved by compassion for the crowds. Now, when you look around, I mean, Chris talked about this 10,000 people come to this July 3rd event where we're gonna show up as a church. One of the things to think about is how, does G, how would Jesus view those people? He would view them like sheep without a shepherd. When I talked to Mark McKinney about working with middle school and high school students, and I see the challenges in this culture, it is not hard for me to experience compassion for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. People that do not know Christ, that don't have Jesus as their savior, as successful and as happy as they may appear, are like sheep without a shepherd, and Jesus has compassion for them. So I want you to know that part of the motivation for God becoming a man in Jesus Christ is because he sees people in great peril. He sees people who are lost. He sees people as sheep without a shepherd and he comes to them. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you recognize that all of us in this room were like sheep without a shepherd, but the reason you hear, that you are here today is because Jesus had compassion on you. Before you ever, ever heard about him, before you knew about him, before, uh, before you ever surrendered your life to him, Jesus knew you and he had compassion for you. Romans 5.8, if you ever wonder about God's love for you, if you wonder whether God welcomes your prayers welcomes your tears, welcomes your confusion. If you ever wonder if he has a heart moved by compassion for you, think of Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see his compassion when you look at what he did on the cross. So that's the first thing. That's the lesson of the loaves here. Remember the compassion of Jesus. Remember when you come to those, uh, those forks in the road and you're having to trust God, remember that God cares enough to provide for you. God cares about the needs of your heart. He has compassion for you. That is a fantastic thing to know. Let's go on to the second lesson of the loaves. First lesson is the les lesson of compassion. The second lesson is the lesson of faith. Now, what we come to in this passage and in this story is what I would call sort of the filet mignon, the meat of this passage, because it is a dialogue between Jesus and his disciples. One of the things we see here is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus is the king, but all of us in this room are on his, his majesty's secret service. We are, we are drafted by Jesus to, be, to work alongside him, and he wants to use us. This past weekend, we had a membership class. We had close to 20 people going through our, la our latest membership class. And we talked about one of the core values of our church, which is a culture of grace, or what we call a gospel culture. 
What the gospel means is that it's good news that God has saved you because of Christ and because of his compassion. But the gospel doesn't just save us, but the gospel becomes for you and me the impulse for Christian kindness and extending compassion to the world around us. So right, right in this story, we see that one of the things that Jesus does is he calls his disciples, he calls his church, he calls you and me to engage in his work of compassion in the world. He, he could... He could Feed these 5,000 just with a word, but instead, he chooses to use people. He chooses to work through people. People are his method. People are his plan, and we get to be a part of that. So let's take a look at what happens as Jesus begins to involve his people in this story. So verse 35, actually the disciples end up initiating this action because they see what's going on. Jesus has been teaching and it's becoming nightfall. So verse 35, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples are really practical at this point. 5,000 people say it's getting late. We can't even feed them. Send them away so that they can get something to eat. And, and it's, it's, it's understandable that the disciples would say that. They would say, we don't have the resources. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the compassion in our hearts or the ability to feed these people. Jesus, you're setting up an impossible situation. You know, as a church, when we look at the crowds around us, whether it's those middle school and high school kids we talked about, whether it's the 10,000 people at the event that's coming up, I remember early in the life of our church, when our church was about half its present size, maybe even less, I remember talking to somebody about the fact that we have to prepare for the growth of the church. And, and, and the, the goal of our church is never a manic growth, and we're not trying to become the it church or anything like that, but when the kingdom of God is at work, the church grows. There were people that, a lot of you, we didn't know at that time. But this person said, oh, I just don't want the church to grow because I don't know if we're going to have enough volunteers to serve the coffee. We don't want the church to grow. And we get so practical about that. And that's where we need to remember the lesson of the loaves that we're about to see in this passage. It's the lesson of faith. So look at verse 36. They had said, send them away into the surrounding countryside and villages but then verse 37, he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Once again, they're being practical. Denarii was, uh, their, that's their dollars, that was their form of currency. But this would be about eight months wages that they would have to come up, up with when Jesus says, you give them something to eat. We were discussing this passage with our elders and deacons this past Wednesday morning, and Bart Johnson made a great observation here. He talked about why is Jesus putting his disciples in this spot when he says, you give them something to eat. One of, the, one of the things that's going on here is part of the lesson of faith is the lesson of dependence. He's putting them in a position where they need to depend upon the resources of Jesus. This happens over and over and over again when we come to those forks in the road and those junctures in our lives. Will we trust in Jesus to provide? But he says, you give them something to eat. I'm gonna comment on this a little bit later, but 
When you're part of a church, and especially if you're involved in leadership of a church, you think a lot about where do we get the resources to do what God's called us to do? Where do we get the financial resources? Where do we get the volunteer resources? Where do we get the staffing resources? You're always thinking about that. And so a lot for us, a lot of the forks on the road have been trusting God for those things. I wanna give you a small illustration of what it feels like to hear Jesus say to you, you give them something to eat and you, and you don't have the resources to do it. So we have this splash ministry, a growing splash ministry. It's not 5,000 people, but it's about 80 kids, sometimes up to 100 kids that'll be a part of our splash program. We have incredible stuff happening. A lot of you serve in splash. We probably need 80 to 100 individuals serving once a month in splash. Well, the person that coordinates our volunteers for splash is Kayla Oliver. It is one of the most challenging jobs in our church, and she's done it for the, the last several years. And I would, I would venture to say that there are few people who have had their faith stretched more than Kayla Oliver. Because in Splash, you always have stomach, you got sick kids that come up, and so people can't show up to volunteer. You're always trusting God for new volunteers. We have a mobile culture. People travel a lot. And there's just, just this need for resources. And so I want you to, to, to picture, just as an illustration, what it would be like to be Kayla Oliver, and you're getting to Friday, and you're getting to Saturday, and you don't have enough volunteers. And it's almost as if Jesus is saying to Kayla, you give them something to eat. Do you feel the challenge of that? Do you feel that impossible situation? But Kayla wants to extend the compassion, compassion of Jesus to children, as is true of all of our splash staff and volunteers. But Kayla has had to live by faith, and I bet she could tell you so many stories of God bringing along the volunteers at just the right time. You see, God involves us in his plan, but there is the, there is the lesson of faith that we have to learn as we're involved in serving God. So let's look at what happens next. Jesus said in verse 37, you give them something to eat. Look at verse 38. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, they got five loaves and two fish. So think about this. This just illustrates again how ludicrous this idea is of being able to feed 5,000 people and not have the resources. But remember, this is how the kingdom works. Remember that Jesus wants to teach them a lesson in faith. We know from the other accounts that there's a little boy there that all he has is his picnic lunch with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, take stock of what you have and let's just start small. Remember we said earlier about the kingdom when we were talking about Mark chapter one, we said that the kingdom of God it starts small, it's often invisible, and it's unstoppable. We're getting a lesson in faith, we're getting a lesson in the kingdom of God in this story. You know, uh, this idea of five loaves and two fish just highlights for me the many, many times in our ministry when we've had to start small. There was a time when Lake Baldwin Church did not exist, and there were a couple of people there were people who were successful in business, successful in law, that started praying about the launching and the planting of, of Lake Baldwin Church. And as they dreamed about it, they were motivated by compassion. So one of the individuals in this sort of original core of 20 people, one of the indiv individuals said, 
I want to plant this church because not in my backyard will I have people coming in, moving to Central Florida, and not hearing the gospel. He was driven by the compassion of the gospel. There was another individual that was there, Jim Cunningham. Jim's sitting back there, so I just I hope you don't mind mentioning my name, Jim and Joyce. And Jim would talk about uh, wanting Lake Baldwin Church to not only be a place where people hear about Christ, but also that this church would become a resource church for Central Florida and for the world, that we would actually have resources that we would give away and that we would share with others. At that time, none of it ever existed. So what happened is these individuals got together around this vision and around this dream, if you will, Jesus is saying to this core group, you give them something to eat. And what they did was they pooled what they had. They pooled their five loaves and their two fish. And remember, these were business people. This wasn't just me as a church planter. These were business people who had this dream on their hearts to feed the 5,000. These are individuals, for example, some of the older ones were successful baby boomers who did have a choice of going to Herod's palace. They did have a choice of going to Herod's banquet. They did have the resources that they could go off and do something other than care for people they had never even met before, the 5,000 that they wanted to feed. But Jesus worked in their hearts. Jesus got to their hearts and they said, no, we're not going to spend all our time at Herod's banquet and everything that leads to death and everything there. We are actually wanting to pool our resources, our five loves, our two fish, and we're going to invest and we're going to trust God to bring along other people and resources and finances. And lo and behold, we now have a church today where many, many people have come to faith in Christ. And this indeed is a resource church for organizations in this city, for missionaries around the world, and for congregational care of people that God brings our way. But it started small. It started with five loaves and two fish. You guys, that is the lesson of faith in the feeding of the 5,000. Faith is the assurance of things, things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You don't see it yet, but you trust God to bring it along, and that's how the kingdom works. So the lesson of compassion, it all flows from the compassion of Jesus and the gospel. The lesson of faith, where Jesus says to us, you give them something to eat on the Independence Day bash. You give them something to eat for splash. You give them something to eat for middle school and high school kids. That's the second lesson. And then there's one more lesson here that I think is fantastic. It is the lesson of 12 baskets full. So I want you to see how the story ends. It's so cool what happens here. If we go to verse 39, it says, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Now catch a, get a, look at what's happening here. The people of God are being spread out on the grass. This is an echo once again of Moses in the book of Exodus leading the people out of Egypt and now he's leading them through the wilderness and we read earlier that God provided manna in the wilderness and we learned from John 6 that that manna pointed to 
a greater bread, Jesus the bread of life. And so that's what's happening here. This is an echo of Exodus. Jesus is the greater Moses, and the church becomes the new Exodus, the new people of God that God is leading. And God has the power, has the resources to start with not 12, but 11 men and say, go and make disciples of all the nations and God, now the church encircles the globe. It started with their five loaves and their two fish. And now you've got all this food being distributed, the bread of life all over the world. You guys, this is a picture of the kingdom. This is a picture of the Great Commission. It's also a picture here. It says when Jesus broke the bread, he, he blessed it. It reminds you of communion, which I think is a great, again, an echo of the manna in the wilderness, but is also a foretaste of that great banquet that is coming, the messianic banquet, that all of us here that have tasted, have eaten of the bread of life will one day celebrate that banquet and that, that's talked about in the book of Revelation. And so you've got this beautiful scene with the greater Moses and all these people on the grass, and he divided the two fish, the, the, uh, the loaves of fish among them. Look at verse 40, 42. It says, and they all ate and were satisfied. Now this is the theme of rest again, because we know from John chapter six what's happening is they are feeding not just on bread, but it's pointing us to Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never die. Do you see how the banquet of Herod leads to death, the death of John the Baptist, but do you see how the banquet of Jesus leads to the bread that gives eternal life, Jesus himself satisfying people. And so they all ate and were satisfied. And what a beautiful picture. And all of us need to know, all of us need to remember this lesson of the loaves, that the banquet of Herod does not satisfy. The banquet of the world does not satisfy. When you are faced with that choice of do I want to go back to the banquet of Herod or do I follow Jesus onto the grass and I'm fed by him, remember that Jesus feeding you leads to life. Jesus is the one who feeds you. Jesus is the one who satisfies you. And it's the, le the lesson here is of 12 baskets full. Look at verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So why 12 baskets full? Well, there were 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 disciples. This is a lesson. It is saying to all of us here, remember the lesson of the loaves. The disciples forgot after Jesus walked on the water. They forgot their hearts were hardened at the feeding of the 4,000. But remember this Lake Baldwin church. Remember the lesson of the loaves. Remember that he is the one who provides. I, uh, I love this question quote that you have in your bulletin about how this is the greater Moses who provides for his people. So what's the application for us today? Well, we've talked about a lot of application of this story and of this passage. Let me give you a personal application that I think applies to everybody here about how the greater Moses provides for you. In the Lord's Prayer, we are commanded to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I think one of the things that you need to remember is that God provides for your physical needs and your practical needs. So today when you go to lunch and you give thanks, 
when as he was, what Jesus was doing is what a dad would do at dinner. He would break the bread and he would look to God and he would thank God for the blessing of that bread. So when you, with your family, with your friends, when you thank God for the blessing, you are recognizing that Jesus is the one who provides for your physical needs, your job, your material needs, your health, your, your, your food that you eat, your inflated gasoline costs, all of that. Jesus is the one who provides for you. Remember that because you might be at one of those forks in the road where you need to remember the lesson of the loaves and you need to press on in following Jesus. Not only that, not only does he provide for your physical needs, but this is another personal application. He provides for your spiritual needs. Jesus is the one who is the bread of life. And so every, every week in this church, when you hear the word of God, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Think of your Sunday morning worship service as a time to gather, to worship God, and to receive the bread of the word of God. Same thing in your community groups, same thing in your personal time with the Lord. God feeds your soul through his word. Never forget that, because it'll always remind you of the feast of Jesus instead of the banquet of Herod. And then there's a kingdom application here. There is a, a kingdom application that... We, this is a defining passage for Lake Baldwin Church. I shared with you some stories of how we started small as a church. But in many ways, we start a lot of small things, small community groups and small programs and small initiatives. Remember, you get to be one of these people who gives to God your five loaves and two fish, your time, your tithe, your financial resources, all the things, your spiritual gifts. God wants you like that little boy with his, with his picnic basket. When you give it to Christ, you won't lose anything because he will provide for you. So that you are a part of the expansion of his kingdom even today. So in the past, we have learned that. But I wanna let you know that as we look to the future, we look to a future where we know that in the past, the lesson of the loaves God has provided for us. So I was with the elders and deacons on Wednesday morning, as I said, and together we as a group remembered the lesson of the loaves, the fact that at the end of last year, we prayed for $150,000 to finish a year in the black. God provided exactly that at the end of the year. God over the years has raised up staff, people like Allison Epps and Heather Shiflett and Mark McKinney. God has raised up the people that have been here right when we've needed them. The deacons, the elders, the volunteer leaders. This is God providing for us as a church. That is the lesson of the loaves for us. And there was a time last August where we elected a group of nine people. And it's as if Jesus said to those nine people, our pastor search committee, you give them something to eat. And by faith at that juncture, that fork in the road, they trusted God, and now we're going to be able to pass the baton to the new senior pastor about a month from now in, in July because God raised up Brian Lumshu Chan to be the next senior pastor. But remember, that is God's provision for us. We need to remember the lesson of the load. So as we close, I want to go back to those individuals among us who are exploring the faith. And I want to let you know a quote from Pascal, the French physicist, who said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. 
that cannot be satisfied by any created thing. In other words, not by Herod's feast. It cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by, uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Only by God's gift of Jesus Christ can our soul be satisfied. And you need to remember that. You need to know that he is the one who satisfies you. So my question is this, will you look to Jesus for your satisfaction and will you remember the lesson of the loaves? Let's pray together. Lord, what a story uh, that the Bible has for us here and I pray that on this day, this hot day, where so many in our church are facing those times in their life where they're at a fork in the road, where you're calling them to live by faith, would you remind us all of the rest of the gospel? Would you remind us of the lesson of the loaves? Would you remind us that only Jesus truly satisfies? And it's in his name that we pray, amen.